0: the totally super podcast is coming to geeks radio justin and arthur review every superhero movie ever made search for totally super podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts totally super podcast 2017 warning the following contains plot spoilers and naughty language that means explicit content and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of geeks radio or the individual hosts so don't get mad it's just a show
1: hi everybody welcome to pop off i'm arthur got it Oh, so, fair. yeah, wait, no, wait, saying, no, wait uh-huh. I re- I just, Justin was all just like, hey, you go ahead and start. I'm like, yeah, yeah. all right, welcome to Pop-Off. First,
0: first, you said the word hi. You said hi. That, I'm so used to starting with welcome. Welcome has been the word that, like, every show started with. All of a sudden, it starts with a hi.
1: Okay, hey. fine, all right, all right, fine. We'll just go back to the beginning. <clears throat> hey, guys. Yeah. <laughs> and ladies. And everybody. We- no, no, here we go. We're starting again. Wait, Welcome. No, no, no. I'm no. Totally no. Gonna, that <laughs> oh, no, no, We're still first part. Oh, no, no. We're yeah, no, we're still recording right now, but I'm going I'm going to give you an introduction that you want here.
0: <clears throat> oh, good. Thank you.
1: Wait, silence. Okay, Welcome to we Pop go. Off. My name is Arthur. And joining Hi. me today, we have No. What? You say my name what? is
0: Arthur and I go and my name is Justin. Oh. Okay,
1: fine, fine. All right. Take 3. Take 3. We got okay, this. Okay. Here
0: we go. Here
1: we go. Well, okay. Welcome to Pop Off. I'm Arthur.
0: And my name is Justin, and this is what it's like when you air the things out of order of the way they're supposed to be.
1: Perfect in it, the bag. Next track.
0: It doesn't work. You can't take something that's designed to go one way and present it in a completely different way. Oh, I see what you're doing with
1: your loosely veiled segue. I and see. Uh, it clever you. Clever to you. To work
0: for everyone uh, today, we're talking about Firefly
1: mm-hmm which um, <laughs> I mean I was it's funny I was about to say which if you have a choice between watching it live or DVD you really should watch it DVD in the original order but then I'm like wait a minute there there is no other option right now so yeah um oh so it's congratulations a, you won't ever need to worry about watching it in the original is it order on, but, or,
0: is it even on Netflix anymore it's gone, I don't know right? Hold on, I'm looking up on my phone. seeing if it's if it's on Netflix. I think it might be gone as of uh, May sixteenth, twenty seventeen, when we're recording. Uh, if I look on Netflix, Firefly is taking a long time to load. Um, <laughs> uh firefly which is uh joss whedon's um uh third series after buffy and angel we're including it here because uh i think it's kind of tied into the end of angel and the end of buffy and Mm -hmm. that all when it was canceled actually when it was being done uh joss's um nope nope not on netflix
1: so yeah if you you want it you gotta purchase it yeah but uh I feel like I should start off this particular episode by first giving a proviso. Everybody, I love Firefly. It's great. It is arg- The season of Firefly is arguably, to my mind, the most well-crafted season of Joss Whedon TV out there. Um, that being said, I feel like I need to start with that because there have been many other situations where I feel like I've made it my personal mission to sort of uh, – you know, deflate uh brown coats in their massive, you know, bordering on obsession, adulation of the there show. There was a
0: time there was a time probably five, six years ago, where you really like like you would really get people who are who are almost angrily in love with Firefly.
1: I think that uh, was the thing. And it was it's because this show, even more so than Buffy and Fire and this this sort of goes all right <laughs> what we're gonna talk with today is basically how we uh We're going to start by talking about how we view what it is to be part of geek culture and what is uh, socially responsible geekery. Um, (gasps) These are this is this is my own personal manifesto and everything. Uh, The uh, a lot of geek stuff is uh, it is was meant to appeal to niche markets. Um, It became very popular amongst people who felt like they were out of the mainstream, uh, you know there's a huge crossover between Buffy and Angel and people who play Dungeons and Dragons and enjoy Renaissance fairs and all that sort of stuff, a very rich tapestry. Now, a lot of that has become more mainstream in the past 10 years, but that didn't used to be the case. However, the downside of the kind of passionate love that it would induce is that you would gush so enthusiastically about something that you know, sometimes geeks could not allow for the possibility that maybe some people just didn't like their show, and that's okay. Um, actually, there's a, there's a term that's floating around, uh, the, the verb form of to browncoat something, which is to gush so enthusiastically about something that you make the person hearing it never actually want to see it. Or when they do see it, they're disappointed because the bar has just been set for too high. Um, brown coating being uh, the brown coats being a popular term for Firefly fans, uh, and again, I think this show is incredible. It's it's phenomenal, amazing characters. Just every episode is a delight. But uh, if we are to truly be the best ambassadors for this kind of show, we need to allow for the possibility that people of taste should have the freedom to not enjoy it.
0: And I'll go as far as to say that if. I agree with you to a point, um, but I would say mm-hmm. that enthusiasm for the show is what kept me watching it. Um, the idea that the show was supposed to be good kept me watching it because I almost gave up really? on Firefly. About three episodes in, I was like, I'm just not digging it. And then as the show went on, I started digging it more. But um, I will be the first to say that I it took me... A minute to get the show into my brain to the point where I would I would kind of I think it might have been the way it might have been the dialogue or rather the dialect um, Mm -hmm. in which people spoke. It was just it was just a little too much work. Um, now when I look back I can't believe that that was such a problem for me um, but uh, I had been watching you know up to, and I've talked about this on the Buffy uh, podcast that uh, that I was first a Star Trek guy um, of mm-hmm. course you know I have a Star Trek podcast Trek off you should listen to it um uh, and being a Star Trek guy it took a lot for me to jump over to Buffy it took you uh, to get me to to jump over to Buffy um, mm-hmm. and I did And it took that got me to the point where I was at this point. The reason I watched Firefly was because of Joss Whedon and it made me quench that emotional uh, catharsis that Buffy and Angel would offer me. And I was Mm -hmm. coming off of having watched Angel. I was watching Buffy and Angel and Firefly was okay. What next? Mm -hmm. And and that being the case that 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 what next was Firefly, it did not offer me. The emotional catharsis. Oh,
1: that's true. You were looking for the serious emotional roller coasters of Buffy and Angel. And Firefly, while it certainly would have gotten there had it been allowed to keep going, uh, it was still just building the world and the characters in the first – I mean, it, it was even just the first half season, 13 episodes.
0: Well, and it was just a different kind of show. I mean, Buffy mm-hmm. was a show about being in high school and growing up. And Angel Angel was a, an angst-ridden you know, noir show. This was trying to be something different. It wasn't trying to be Star Trek either. Um, it was trying to be something that one of the reasons it's so great is it was trying to be something brand new. And mm-hmm. I was not ready for something brand new. Yeah. I wanted more Joss. That's what I wanted. Hurt me. Make me fall in love. Make me laugh. Um, mm-hmm.
1: It was actually. Uh, this is the most. Adv- it, it's a space opera. Uh, it's a space western in the style of like Buck Rogers and Buckaroo Banzai. Um, the it it tells stories on a sort of galactic scale. Um, not not the same way that Star Wars does. Uh, Star Wars is practically galactic fantasy, galactic mythology. This is, I mean, certainly the closest genre to it is western. Um, yeah. With a uh, with a real focus on the characters, uh, I always like to think that uh, to me the heart of Firefly is the kitchen table in uh, in Serenity. It is Serenity being the place the ship where all that they serve. yeah the, it's the place where all of the characters just sort of come and sit around and them, and the scenes with them talking around the kitchen table are the absolute heart of the show. Uh, And it's what makes the show work is that you've got this grand adventure Western thing, which is all about the great expanse. And even in traditional Westerns, it's miles and miles and miles of nothing. But you've got this small group of people who are uh, venturing out into the nothing together. And Firefly really captured that. But if you're looking for a more urban, uh, hyper personal show like Buffy or Angel, Firefly is not it.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, that's uh, that's a good place to start. I'm going to go off. uh, This is coming from Wikipedia. uh, So bear with me for a moment. Uh, Firefly is an American space Western uh, drama television series created by writer and director Joss Whedon under his Mutant Enemy Productions label. Whedon served as executive producer along with Tim Maneer. The series is set in the year 2517 after the arrival of humans in a new star system and follows the adventures of the renegade crew of Serenity, a Firefly class spaceship the ensemble cast portrays nine characters who live on serenity whedon pitched the show as nine people looking into the blackness of space and seeing nine different things the show explores the lives of a group of people who fought on the losing side of a civil war and others who now want to make a living on the fringe of society as part of the pioneer culture of their starship Star system. In this future, the only two surviving superpowers, the United States and China, fused to form the central federal government called the Alliance, resulting in the fusion of the two cultures. According to Whedon's vision, nothing will change in the future. Technology will advance, but we will still have the same political, moral, and ethical problems as today. Firefly premiered in the U.S. on the Fox Networks on September 20, 2002. By mid-December, Firefly had averaged 4.7 million viewers per episode and was 98th in the Nielsen ratings. It was cancelled after 11 of the 14 produced episodes were aired. Despite the relatively short lifespan of the series, it received strong sales when it was released on DVD and has large fan support campaigns. It won a primetime Emmy Award in 2003. Um, It ranked number five, TV Guide ranked the series number five on their 2013 list of 60 shows that were canceled too soon. The post airing success of the show led Whedon and Universal Pictures to produce Serenity, a 2005 film which continues the story of the series, and the Firefly franchise expanded to other media, including comics and a role playing game, Serenity, which we will not be discussing today, but will be discussing on the next episode of Pop Off. So, mm-hmm.
1: that uh, one is. One interesting thing to. Are- uh, that jumped out at me there was when uh, Joss Whedon said that his view of the future is nothing changes about us fundamentally. So in that sense, Firefly is the very antithesis of Star Trek. Cause Star oh, Trek is, uh, Star Trek is very optimistic for saying in, in the future, our culture and our society has changed 100%. Um, you know what it means to be human, human desires and uh, needs in the Star Trek future, are vastly different than they are now, uh, and vastly for the better. That was part of Gene Roddenberry's utopian vision. But uh, well, Joss is more of a Joss is, as we've said before, more of an existentialist.
0: You know, the interesting thing about this is that you know certainly by the time you get to the last couple episodes of uh, of Serenity, uh, of Firefly, and the and the movie, the Alliance, the central government, the Alliance with the exception of what like was done to the character of river and we'll talk about her, um, is presented as a relatively benevolent, uh, group. Mm -hmm. They, they, they had a war and the war was vicious and war is terrible, but they're not, they're not the empire.
1: Yeah. One of Mal's, uh, one of Mal's biggest problems with the Alliance is he says they can, they, is that he think he says they think they can make people better. And he disagrees with that. I mean, he's very much about free will, freedom, and that sort of thing. Um, and yes, there is something very totalitarian about we think we can make people better. But as and far as totalitarian philosophies go, that's not terrible. Well, and even that
0: make people better is not really galvanized until the end of the series. So I really got the sense as I was beginning to watch it that it was almost an indoctrination of... Of Star Trek, like that, that it is, the Alliance is the Federation for lack of a better, you know, there aren't any mm-hmm. aliens in the show, which I think is really interesting. Um, uh, but it's essentially this, this relatively benevolent, you know, culture where if you just moved to it, you could live comfortably and, and w- without any problems, Mm-hmm. um, but also without you know the the sort of freedom of self determination, and it gets you to the yeah. point of wondering: Is that what life is? Joss saying that life in the Federation would be um, impossible for him.
1: Well, I think the big di- th- there is a big difference in that. In that, the Alliance does make it pretty clear is that in order to do this, you need to toe the party line of how to think. The Federation. Um, The the alliance essentially took an idea of utopia and forced it on people and said, hey, you want to buy into this? Great. This is what you need to believe. Oh, and those out of you who don't want to buy into this, we're going to force you into it anyway. But the concept was still a good positive philosophy. The impression that I get with the Federation is that humanity organically developed into that utopian philosophy on its own. Uh, so because of that, it allows for more of a sense of free will and dissent and uh, like it, the Federation seems to have a better understanding of it all. It takes all kinds,
0: maybe uh, the next gen Federation, but I would say the DS9 Federation um, is not so much that and even late next gen there's some criticism within the show of the. that's federation true not, that's true the uh I, by the time the Ma- that you
1: got to the end there's of ds9
0: the maquis Ma- is a group in ds9 that is a group of people who want to kind of be out of the federation in their own planets that is that are also on the line of of cardassia and they uh most of the time is presented as the, their methods are their problem and their problems with the Cardassians are their problems. But really, there are a couple episodes where the, the idea of not wanting to be part of the Federation is a personal sticking point for, uh, for Captain Sisko in that show. Mm. And, and that it is, there the Maquis would argue that the Federation is a totalitarian, totalitarian government that won't allow people to just go do what they want to do.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, I think there's definitely something to be said for the Federation of Original Series and Next Gen is very different from the Federation that's portrayed in Deep Space Nine. But that is also for, uh, you know, I don't know, a Star Trek podcast or something. Are there any of those out there? Um,
0: only if you like the word fuck, because <laughs> <laughs> the only one that even exists is Trekoff, um, which you should listen to right now when this show is done. Um, interesting, this show is Pop-Off, and that's Trekoff. I wonder if there are any similarities between them. Yeah.
1: Um, you wonder if there's so, any preliminaries? Is that what you are going to say? It
0: says Silmarillion's between them. Yeah. <laughs> So I wonder if that exists. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about our characters before we yes. get to an episode by episode. Let's start with the character of uh, of let's go backwards and end with the captain. Let's start with our character of Shepherd Book, played uh, by Shepherd Book, played by the late Ron Glass. Um, a, I think it's pretty well established that this is a Christian pastor of sorts, mm-hmm. um, yeah. who is somewhere between a pastor and a monk. And a priest, um, who on the show he
1: is a priest without he is a wandering priest without a flock.
0: Yeah, um, his uh, his past is rooted somewhere in in espionage, but we don't know what that past is, nor is it ever mm-hmm. clarified on screen. I'm not not going to go to anything said in the comics, um, but uh, on screen it is alluded to the fact that he has some kind of intelligence past. Um, mm-hmm. But that's never uh, really established. Uh, what do you think of Shepherd book?
1: I like him. I thought he was a very good. Uh, he is arguably one of the most spiritual characters in any of the Whedonverse. verse, um, and uh, I thought he was for a show, or you know, for for a writing team that has shown distrust of organized religion in the past. Um, I thought they did a very good job sort of showing him as a very good ideal of somebody who had a faith that drove him, uh, the faith defined his morality, but he also had a sort of – his dogma was adjustable based on experience and uh, it was a faith that was humble enough to acknowledge, okay, I don't have all the answers here and maybe in this situation it's best to – sort of lay back and and trust the other people um so you know and essentially i thought he was a very good example for what a good pastor should be
0: um i uh you know i have to separate uh the shepherd book of the movie serenity from the shepherd book of the show um because i feel like you're dealing with a character something has happened to him uh, between the end of the show at the beginning of serenity where i for instance in serenity he says i don't care what you believe as long as you believe it and i don't think that's a thing that shepherd book of the show would say
1: that's a good um, point yeah
0: that he also is no longer I, wearing the shepherd's outfit yeah he i is know also, we're not yeah. uh,
1: i know we're not quote unquote talking about serenity here um let's see how long that lasts uh but the that that particular line I don't care what you believe, so long as you believe it. Some people use it as an absolute battle cry. More power to them. For me, that's a sort of that's a watered down. It's a watered down phrase. It's uh, it's basically saying, "Hey, you've got to have passion about something," which I agree with. Um, well, but I, it,
0: I I agree with the idea of believing in things, but in mm-hmm. the, in the movie, it, it, and it, and implies it, are, it, it
1: implies that all beliefs are. It implies that all beliefs are one hundred percent equal. And he said, when,
0: "When, when, I, when I, why do you, when I talk about faith, always think that I'm talking about God? And in the show, I think he is talking mm-hmm. about God. He is talking about a Judeo-Christian God. Um, and in, in the, the movie, show.
1: he in the that's a good point. In the movie, he's a little bit more. He has more of a humanist approach to it.
0: Now, it is worth noting he is not wearing his shepherd's clothes in the movie." good point. and he's and his hair is different and he has moved off the ship and we'll talk about it when we get to the movie but i i wonder has a fundamental change happened so maybe Shepherd it Burke was maybe between he, the movie and
1: the in the in the show so maybe uh, here i'm gonna just pitch a uh a hypothetical character arc for book in that so he has this espionage uh background during which he does some really bad stuff for the sake of the alliance uh and then he has a you know a conversion experience, uh, and as is the case for many people with conversion experiences, they um, once they find that new quote unquote salvation, they they tend to go, they swing hard in the other direction, um, going pushing towards the dogma, you know, towards being very hidebound with it, uh, which is completely understandable if this is a thing that you know literally saved you from the horrible life that you were in before. Of course, you're going to throw yourself into it with, you know, as full of vigor as you can. Um, So that's probably where he is at the beginning of Firefly. But that – but everywhere he goes, uh, you know, the people that he meets, not the least of which are Serenity's crew, cause him to question some of the more uh, dogmatic aspects of this faith that he's devoted himself to. uh, So that, you know, so – so basically sailing with serenity begins the journey of him getting re- shedding a lot of the dogma that he finds just doesn't work for him. And then he ends up being the shepherd that we see in serenity. That's that is all, that is all hypothetical, but,
0: but there's the, the shepherd book of the show, um, is absolutely a a Christian shepherd. He says, "I follow mm-hmm. a carpenter." He says the words, "I yeah. followed a carpenter." So it's 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 what he is. It, it's what he believes. He mm-hmm. sometimes um sometimes uh the butt of a joke i love there's a there's a whole bit in one of the episodes where where he's his hair is
1: terrifying oh Um, whoever's terrified of his hair i love that there there
0: there are a couple of episodes on the show in which he barely or absolutely does not appear he does not appear once in the episode james janestown for instance Mm -hmm. um uh he is a character that I would have liked to get much more into. And I feel like we would have, um, uh, I think that of all the characters that kind of got gypped by the show, uh, ending, his would probably be the one that we, that we, that had so much promise and potential that we didn't get a chance to see. Mm hmm. um, uh, the next character is a uh, River Tam, as played by Summer Glau. We're going to have to pair her together, I think, with Simon Tam, very much as played so. by Sean Mayer. Um, uh, Summer Glau was a character who uh, who was a brilliant genius uh, girl. Um, who, uh, who was taken by the alliance? It seems that she was taken willingly, like her pl- her parents let her go. Yeah, her parents was let, to let be her to go. A yeah, school, and then um, and,
1: and then her parents also very pointedly did not ask questions after that.
0: Yeah. Um. Uh, and she was uh manipulated. Her mind was manipulated. Uh, Sometimes we show eventually that physically changed. Uh, by the alliance, uh, she managed to get a um. Word out to her brother, who's Dr. Simon Tam, who is also very smart, but not as smart as she. Um, And uh, and he rescues her. And we find out among that she's become both psychic and a weapon um, Mm -hmm. of some sorts. And uh, although her psychic,
1: her actual psychic ability isn't really it's only hinted at in the show. Like we're beginning to see hints of it. Um, It's not until the movie that they're like, oh, no, she's a total psychic
0: yeah well i mean they 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 say things um uh, first of all i i feel like uh simon's um i i think that that simon's description of her uh is very uh telling he says i am very smart i went to the best medic ed on osiris top three percent of my class finished my internship in eight months gifted is the term so when I tell you that my little sister makes me look like an idiot child, I want you to understand my full meaning. River was more than gifted. She was a gift. Um, you get a chance to mourn a bit for that girl uh, mm-hmm. that she was because she was... You know, you get hints of how she was a, a vibrant, pain-in-the-ass little sister who was also really smart, who could have been all these great things. And mm-hmm. it's the first sense we get that the Alliance is not quite as benevolent as maybe we thought they yeah. were. Um, uh, in terms of her psychic abilities, there are instances of her being able to read thoughts um within the show at one point it suggested that she was able to to glean uh the combination to a locker that held a gun uh she's able to oh that's true in the and this is all in the episode objects in space she's also able to uh see the um the thoughts that people are having uh but whether or not she's just picking up on all of that it's hard to tell the movie comes straight out and says she's a psychic Mm Mm-hmm. um uh, what do you think like there are people who have criticized river as being just a little too like th- kind of theater girl crazy if that makes sense like you know, uh, like 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 drama drama 101 let's do our best to act like we're, is there is there a do you mean the character too, or the actress uh I mean the character and maybe the the performance of but of the actress I don't know if I agree but I want to get your thoughts
1: there were times that I think they took River's brokenness a little bit too far not in terms of credibility but just in terms of excuse me um the show even during its rougher moments uh you know or shows moments that were rougher on the characters the show was always a delight to watch that's that's the feeling i have watching it it's just it's happy it's fun even when the characters are going through hard times there were certain moments for river where it just the sheer weight of her troubles weighed down the pace and overall bright tone of the show. Uh, whether or not that's a good thing, I think is becomes a matter of personal taste. River ended up being one of my less favorite characters because of that. Uh, ironically, the closer she got to being better, the more she got a sense of control of herself. Uh, those were the moments that I tended to prefer her more. Um, I do think
0: they. I do think they cut to her being crazy, being scared, being in a corner. Maybe, uh, maybe twenty five percent too often.
1: Yeah, I think like, so. I think they could. I think a little bit. I, I think less of her could have gone further. Um, um, none of that is necessarily her against. Her, none of that is against Summer Glau. I thought she played what she was given wonderfully, just wonderfully. Uh, but um, I think she was just get the the character was written just a little bit too weighty, and that in itself also drags down Simon with her. Um,
0: yeah, to a point. They're both improved significantly by the movie. Yes, I mean, very the, much the, so. The movie mm-hmm. they they like. She is not my favorite character on the show. She is maybe my favorite. One of my three favorite characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she is uh, um, utterly uh, delightful there, but in the show, she it is a bit weighty. Um, and I wonder if we would think that if we were at the end of a seven season run, you know, True. it's easy for us to say, having watched the same, you know, 13 episodes over and over again to go, gosh, the show is quite a lot of cutting to her being crazy. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's if,
1: entirely possible that that first like if they just make that the first seasons overall story arc was, uh, you know, because River was literally cargo. In the first episode, she was the object that brought so much trouble upon the crew. If the first season is, is about her, you know, coming to grips with herself, about them breaking out from under, you know, finally, you know, uh, if the if the two guys with the blue hands were the big bads of season one, and then at the end of that, that arc is for the most part resolved, and now River is just a fully fun, not fully functional, but functional member of the crew and Simon is just the crew's doctor, so there's not this huge weight hanging over them, uh, then that would make total sense. Then suddenly, you've got these characters with a fantastic origin story uh, that would then be really useful for the rest of the seasons. But alas, we only got 13.
0: There's not too much to say about Simon, and that Simon serves uh, Simon serves two purposes, uh, which is to... Uh, constantly be trying to protect River and to be the object of uh, Kaylee who will hit next uh, affections.
1: He does. Um, There is one moment that the the one moment for me that continuously jumps out about Simon though um, about what his morality is Uh, in many ways even more so than Shepard Book. He is the most uh, pure good character Uh, the and what what highlights that to me is, so after Jane has clearly betrayed them, uh, you know, in, in a failed uh, attempt to sell them to the Alliance, uh, Jane essentially wakes up on the operating table uh, after having been injured, and Simon sta- is standing over him. Uh, Simon tells him, hey, I know you did this. I know to tried, you tried to sell my sister and everything like that. And... Uh, then essentially says i also need you to know one you are in this room i am never going to hurt you i am going to put you back together i'm like he just essentially he reemphasizes the hippocratic oath uh of medicine to such a degree to a person who tried to sell his daughter into psychic slavery um it's a very very powerful moment to me uh and i think that is that is also one of Simon's stronger moments. It's him. It's one of the times when he makes a choice that is truly his and is not just, "Oh, this is what I need to do to save River."
0: Yeah. Um. Despite that, again, he is uh, he is improved somewhat by the movie, but I think that he is, and I don't want to put it at the feet of the the foot of the actor, but I do think the actor is a little stilted. Uh, At first I think he grows into his ability and we've said that Mm -hmm. about Buffy too is that that something has to be said for what happens to people um, what happens to artists as they as they grow Mm -hmm. Um, that that one can expect that if somebody has not spent a lot of time in front of a camera portraying a character um, or even if they've done in front of the camera but this is their first time playing the character that by their 13th episode of playing the character. They should be better at it.
1: Yeah, one would hope. Um,
0: yeah, one would hope. So, so a lot of times, uh, uh, on like, for instance, the the track out podcast, um, uh, my partner Alexi on that will uh, will get on my case a little bit when I say that in season one, next gen, they weren't doing as good a job as they do later, and and I will say, look, I if they didn't do a better job after seven seasons, I would say there was a problem there. Yeah. Um. And that's sort of how that's that's sort of how I feel about about Simon. I feel his growth, but I do feel in the first few episodes he is not bringing to it mm-hmm. the the level of depth that say that Mal or Zoe is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely. Uh, random tangent. Uh, I think one of my uh, as you know, I I adore uh, the concept of tropes and. Yeah. Uh, you know, and naming the tropes and everything uh, for anyone who's interested, TVTropes.org is a place where you can literally lose hours upon hours of wiki diving just through storyline concepts and things like that. Uh, and I love what you were talking about. Like with the next gen, uh, we are all familiar. Probably the most famous trope is jumping the shark, which is that moment when sure. a show goes from being great to suddenly it's peaked and it's heading downhill fast. Uh, the opposite of that is from next gen and it's called growing Riker's beard. <laughs> because they point to you know in season two when Riker grew the beard, that was the moment when Next Gen started getting really really good. When Cisco uh,
0: grows the beard, also the moment. When...
1: Yes, <laughs> I so I just kind of like that. So gro- like I, it, it's a lesser known one, but I love the term "growing Riker's beard."
0: Um, moving on to uh, one of my favorite characters in like television history, um, who, when we get to the movie, we'll talk about how she's jilted. Um, Jewel state playing the incredible mechanic. Uh, Kaylee.
1: Oh, she's such, she, she's a gem. Ah, Um, ah, her name was Jewel. I said, gem, uh, (laughs) um, uh,
0: things to say about her. Um, one, she's gorgeous. Uh, in the film, she is, Traditionally gorgeous, hot, trim little bod um, that they made her lose weight for to mm-hmm. be in the film. In the I TV, love, she
1: was in the TV she, show. She was perfect girl next door. She's
0: real. She's real person. Gorgeous, and the, not yeah. to say that there's anything wrong with having the trim little bod, but like, mm-hmm. like there was nothing about her that needed to change.
1: Yeah, it, and it, it, it bums er, it me out that they did. felt that there was. It, yeah, it really does point to the Hollywood sort of thing. And again, like Justin says, there is nothing wrong with being any particular look or something like no. that. But she was beautiful in the show. And the fact that Hollywood saw the need to to sort of force even more, it just, which honestly, took part of, you know, part of Kaylee's look is that, you know, the Iowa corn-fed girl. And yeah. uh, and she looked less of that in the movie. Um, yeah, she
0: was, you know, the more the bombshell. Mm-hmm. Everybody has to be the bombshell in the movie. Yeah. Um, She is uh, so many things at once. She is innocent and yet incredibly sex positive. Mm -hmm. Uh, She is um, uh, purely good all the time. She doesn't Mm -hmm. have... Like a mean, you know, actually, that's right.
1: She might, she might, uh, well, it's why she she and Simon are such a good fit. They are the most good people in the show, the two of them. Yeah.
0: She, um, she is genuinely enamored with all that she sees. She is, she is sensual without being sultry. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, she is, you root for her so much. And when she hurts, you just,
1: it breaks you so
0: angry. Uh, she is competent. She's a competent female mechanic who is the anti. She's like the Scotty. She's the anti Jordy. You know, she's mm-hmm. she is she just knows how it goes, and she knows what to do, and she's hired on over the the mechanic that they have because she just knows how to keep the bird in the sky. Mm-hmm. Um, I adore Kaylee. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, uh, pretty much what you said. The uh, uh, well story actually. Then so. Our current dog that we have, um, we got her a couple months ago. Uh, we were looking for a new dog after our previous one passed away. And after going through like four different private shelters, we went to the public pound, which in Orange County, Florida is a very depressing place to go. Uh, and in the very last row, uh, we found this blackmouth cur, which essentially is just a Southern hunting dog, uh, that was, you know, skin and bones, uh, had a cone on because she had this terrible ear infection. Um but she was just the sweetest thing and immediately came and cuddled and all these things. And so we said, okay, we want her. Um and then we were thinking about naming her. Uh you know, we were thinking some of the traits were, you know, this uh you know, this very common looking dog that was incredibly sweet and incredibly playful. Uh and also Had a a very uncommon nature to her that belied her common appearance. Uh, And we like going with geek names for uh, uh, we like going with geek names for our dogs as also when you name a dog, they say that you should have some strong consonants in it so that they can because they hear consonants better. Uh, And so Kaylee was what came to mind for her. Uh, and now we've got her a little bandana that says, I aim to misbehave on it because it is true. It is true on so many levels. Uh, but so any, that's, that's just sort of a story that, and, but to me, that's because the character of Kaylee struck me in such a way. Um, she is at once, uh, she is at once the girl that I would have 100% fallen for in high school and the woman who I would want as a daughter now. Um, She's yeah, she's just great. And real kudos to Jewel State for for playing her with such warmth, Uh, because I think part of that is I mean, part of Kaylee's strength is the writing. The other part of it is just the sheer amount of open, honest charisma that Jewel State brings to it.
0: Yeah, no, she I think there's a there's a courage in playing it that way um mm-hmm. that that belies what might have been the words on the page there's an energy she crackles
1: mm-hmm. she
0: crackles um yeah uh um and and she makes you empathize maybe more than anyone else on the show she makes you empathize mm-hmm. with uh with her and coming up next uh, the person maybe yeah. you empathize with Considerably less. Uh, Adam Baldwin playing Adam Baldwin, Jane.
1: Jane. Uh, oh, real uh, quick with Kaylee, just since you yeah. mentioned the, uh, since you mentioned uh, her sex positivity, which is great. It occurred to me that, I mean, really, all of the female characters in the crew, uh, except River, um, who was a broken kid, uh, are sex positive. Um, but their approaches are completely different i mean Inara is a companion uh she's all about the craftsmanship of it and the you know and achieving the connections with it you know um you know using honest intimacy to heal and uplift uh whereas kaylee is just like all i can think with kaylee she's like
0: wee yeah <laughs> it's just no fun. i mean, yeah no i i i agree with you and she like it's the sex positivity of the show is a—it's a—it's a Whedon hallmark uh, for the most part. So, mm-hmm. so I, I would expect—I no, would expect nothing more. Um, but, uh, or sorry, expect nothing less. But, um, but her the particular way that she can be both innocent and also very experienced.
1: That's a really good... Yeah, that's a, is, that's a, is that is a hard dichotomy. It's unique in television.
0: It's unique in television. Although it's unique in television and look, I don't want to get into the morality of it. Different people think different things. I think one thing, you may think another. But you have to admit that in television, you don't see that combination you as don't. much as maybe as, no. maybe as much as you see it in real life. I know people who come across incredibly just wide-eyed and you know wide-eyed and bushy-tailed and just big smiles Mm -hmm. all the time who also um from other people's you know definitions would be you know said to get around like it's Mm -hmm. just it's the the idea that one does not have to negate the other is and i'll say
1: especially when you do see it in television you see it in men a lot more than you do in women yeah so this it's really nice to see um Uh, but so getting to J talking to Jane. jane
0: Um, uh, Adam Baldwin's Jane, uh, is, a, a mercenary kind of guy who's on the ship, who sort of wants to run the ship, who may betray them, who over the course of the show does betray them, um, who maybe has a good heart underneath, uh, uh, he's, I mean, he's Jack Sparrow pretty much, right? Yeah, but well, a dumber, here's the th- he, like, he's I a dumber like,
1: Jack Sparrow. What well, Jack Sparrow is, Jack Sparrow is a great example of an anti-hero. Um, sure. You know, someone who's, you know, a little bit cutthroat or something, but gets thrust into situations, then ultimately does the right thing. You know, Jack Sparrow, there's no doubt he's good. he's got a good heart under that. The thing that I like about Jane is that I don't even know if he's an anti-hero. Like, there's just this sense that, I mean, he's more mercenary than, uh, than Jack Sparrow. And, you know, everyone's like, well, he's got a good heart. But then there's that other thing at the back of my voice at the back of my head that's like does he uh, I think he does. I mean, I he, think he, he does. ends up being loyal to the crew but if it if, if he does it's much more buried there and that the fact that they have a character like that who is so self-serving um and still make it work in the ensemble is a real testament to the you know to the strength of the ensemble and the characters because well i
0: think i think it's the fact that he's a dummy I think if he weren't a dummy, we would be a lot less forgiving. Oh,
1: that's a good point. yeah,
0: that he's 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 not a villain so much as he's kind of like a bulldog. yeah <laughs> like that's a good point he's, just, yeah, know, he's, he, he's,
1: he's not he, licking like,
0: his balls to to really do anything. He's just licking his balls I yeah, mean, that's, that's, he's
1: got he he's got he's got the desire but not the ability. yeah, and if he had um, both, then he'd be much more of a villain.
0: Yeah, and he's and he's not. I think there, there are there are a couple things where you see his heart, and we can't count Serenity, where he's just <laughs> another hero um, yeah. by the end. Um, uh, yeah, but... no, but
1: I mean, Janestown is a wonderful example of that, of course, where it's not yeah. like he has this big come to Jesus moment at the end of it. Uh, I mean, at the end of it, there's, you know, Janestown is entirely about this whole planet that fell in love with him because they thought he was giving them money when he, in fact, was just dumping it so that he could uh, get away from uh, the authorities who were chasing him uh um, and there's the a, end- there is a
0: there is another point where he does defend the where he does uh um not defend but uh betray the crew um mm-hmm. and when he betrays the crew and he thinks he's about to be executed the thing he cares most about yeah is the crew not knowing that he betrayed them he cares mm-hmm about how he's remembered to them, which I think is a really incredibly telling moment. Not, yes, not the very moment much you'd so. expect from Jane.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I think I like, I love that. Uh, oh, I must've been, I think, in either the first or the second episode, they offer Jane money, uh, to, you know, the Alliance offers him money to turn the people over and he doesn't. And his justification at the time was, he said, well, it wasn't nearly enough money. And, uh, What are you going to do
0: do when the money is good enough? Yeah,
1: Mal asked him, what are you going to do when the money is good enough? It's like, well, that'll be an interesting day. And so that in itself was a great moment. But with many other TV shows, that's the only time that they would have touched on it. Meanwhile, like five or six episodes later, suddenly the money is good enough. And that interesting day happens a lot sooner than I would have expected. And let's Uh, keep
0: in mind, this is not this is a show that was intended to go many years. The fact that they that they they did it so soon Mm -hmm. um, is incredibly bold.
1: Yeah, Um, and in a sense, what I kind of like with this show was there aren't even for the one shots in it. There really you don't get the sense that any of these episodes are filler. Every every episode is a strong moment that. It leaves the character at the end of every episode. There's not a return to the status quo as it was at the beginning of the episode. The characters are left with a diff- with a deeper understanding of each other. Um, you know, questions about crew loyalty or the depths of crew loyalty are answered. Um, it is a, uh, yeah, it's a very. It is a show that is continuously moving forward in small increments.
0: Um, the next two characters, I'm going to pair them together. Uh, Gina Torres as Zoe and Alan Tudyk as a wash. Um, I'm pairing them together because they are paired together on the show. They're married. Mm-hmm. Um, the, although most with un- the,
1: the most wonderfully unlikely couple.
0: With the exception of a couple of instances, though, uh, you don't like they're not the their connection is not the main connection on the show, which is really. I think an interesting thing to do in that there are a couple times where their marriage is the point of the show and and but I think often and it's really interesting that that everybody has relationships with them separate from each other. They are not like the couple that everyone's friends with. Mm-hmm. It is people have their relationship with Wash and yeah. people have their relationship with Zoe, and those are those are different and they're not each not in each other's face mm-hmm. all the time, in each other's hair all the time, um, with the exception again of a couple of episodes. I like them as a functional couple that 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 fights and and has sex and 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 argues and yet then goes about their day and does the other things. They're both competent mm-hmm. in their own jobs. They respect each other and, and they have just, separate
1: and they have separate friendships. Yeah, with each. And separate well, lives. And, and that and that creates tension sometimes. But that's a very it's a very realistic, uh, you know, twenty first century way of looking at a relationship. Um, You know, case in point, the big issue being, you know, Zoe and Mal have a deep friendship that is literally forged in the fires of battle. Uh, And they knew each other before Zoe met Wash. But the... And so because of that, there is a bond that Zoe and Mal share that Wash will never be part of. Zoe is a better friend with Mal than Wash is with Mal. It's not this case of, oh, this couple, they have this friend that they both really enjoy and hang out with. It's like, no, there is something different between Zoe and Mal than Wash and Mal. And it creates tension. There's one episode in which Wash is kind of jealous of that, but not in a romantic way. It's just more in a – he's like—he's jealous of that connection. Um, But – you know they work it out, and there's this sort of understanding of, uh, there's this understanding of that for the two of them. You know they are always going to be the other person's soulmate, uh, you know the other person's romantic partner. They are in it together through thick and thin, but that doesn't mean that that means that they have had to cut off all genuine emotional connections to their other friends regardless of what gender those friends happen to be
0: well and it's interesting because they're not always good to each other which is real that's how Mm -hmm. it goes um they walk into rooms separately which i think is really sometimes wash wash walks into the room that's a nice subtle observation it'd be easy to to mention you know to, to write a couple that they always walk in together you know my and i'm sure you have this too you have um different when you're when you're coupled for those of you who are coupled or married or whatever you have two different kinds of relationships with other couples um you have the relationship where there's the primary relationship and then the the other person in the party is sideways friends with the other so Mm -hmm. like for instance i have friends that i we're we're all friendly but i'm friends with bob And Mm -hmm. my wife gets along with Bob's wife and we all get along, but the, the, they hang out as a default because I'm always hanging out with Bob. Uh, I mean, our
1: respective wives in terms of our couple friendship sort of thing. Uh, yeah,
0: that's, I, they've never talked to each other outside of their relationship with us, Mm
1: -hmm. but we all Um, get along great.
0: Yeah. Um, we have, uh, um, I would say are probably our best couple friends are, are a couple the mascarellos and, we can go over and I can spend my entire time just talking to to Pasha, the the wife, or I can go spend my entire time talking to Dan or Kelly, like, has her own relationship with Dan and her own relationship with Pasha. And our kids mm-hmm. even have their own relationships with each other. Um, mm-hmm. It is uh, we are all friends with all of us. Um, yeah. And and we don't have to. Always be, you know. I'm sitting there and she's sitting next to me. Well, it's it's not like that at all, mm-hmm. and I enjoy watching that. On a that would get really old really fast on a ship this small. I think.
1: Oh, uh, that's a good point. Yeah, um, there is, and I, I I really appreciate the fact that they show the tension that that low. I mean, that kind of thing where you walk into rooms separately and are in, are allowed to have your own relationships with people. It is a higher independence. Uh, I think it's a more functional thing. It requires more trust, and therefore it does require more work in many ways. And I like the fact that during the show, it shows Zoe and Wash having to put the work in. It's the kind of trust that you need to continuously come back to it, check in, make sure that if there's any jealousies that have sort of come up, that you talk through them and work through them and everything, and then just keep moving forward. Uh, but ultimately, their marriage is the the better they're indi they and they are individually the better for it as well
0: now just like they have di- uh independent relationships with uh the people on the show they have different relationships with people in the audience as well because they f- they perform absolutely different functions within storytelling so uh, first first you have wash who is the pilot of the show who is uh you know if he was in if he was in uh cabin of the woods he would be the fool right that would yeah be what he's he he's
1: uh, yeah he's the fool archetype very much. Yeah. So.
0: The, the the His job is to make you laugh. You curse your sudden and inevitable portrayal. You know that's mm-hmm. that's like his job is to sort of be the comedy mule of the show. But I think Alan Tudyk is, I want to call him an underrated actor. But at this point, he's in everything, right? Yeah. I mean, he you is, just
1: don't know it necessarily.
0: I mean, he is. Uh, I'm just going to take a second, just for all of you to understand. How many Alan Tudyk characters uh, you've known without knowing that you've known them? Here we go. Here mm-hmm. is uh, here is here are the characters that you know him as uh, from most recent. And I'm not going to name all of them, but most recent to uh, to now. Um, he of course uh, is Wash. We know him as that. Um, he's Yuli in the Adventures of uh, of Puss in Boots um he is uh billy uh in american dad he's k2so on in rogue one who steals the show um uh, he's hey hey in moana um he is of course in robot chicken a a a ton um you know him as chris on rick and morty you know him as uh as duke weaselton on zootopia um you know not, not zootopia
1: uh in frozen
0: uh, no, that's uh that's in Zootopia.
1: No, Duke the Duke of Weaselton is in Frozen. That is a misprint if you are reading something there. Is um, it? The Duke of Weaselton is what we think the bad guy is in Frozen uh, until it turns out to be Hans.
0: Interestingly, hold on, I'm going to look here as I go... Type
1: in images, Google search images for Duke of right, Weaselton. so
0: interesting. He is the Duke of Weaselton in Frozen? He is the Weasel, Duke Weaselton
1: in oh, Zootopia. Oh interesting. Then that must have been a that must have yeah. been a uh, an in joke sort of thing. He's, that's he's, that's funny. That's clever. He's
0: Alistair in Big Hero Six. Uh, mm-hmm. he is um in Wreck It Ralph, he's he's the Candy King, don't you know? Um He's I mean, you could just go through. I can keep going back, back and back. He's, of course, Pirate Steve from uh, Pirate Steve and Dodgeball from, from Dodgeball. Um, he has been in everything. But just to say, hey, oh, he's in this, uh,
1: he's in a Knight's Tale. He's one of the Squires in Knight's Tale.
0: He's Tucker and Dale versus evil. He's Tucker. Um, yeah. You go through and you go, oh, my gosh, K2SO is the same as Wash is the same as the Duke of Weaselton is the same as King Candy. You know, is it's nuts.
1: Yeah, How much and he, you know, this and guy. T- and he is also in his illustrious career. He has a he has a character casualty rate that rivals Sean Bean's.
0: Does he uh, really?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah there there have been uh, there have been uh, camp petitions to please stop killing off Alan Tudyk. By the uh, way, he's
0: also the robot in Robot.
1: Yeah. Um, so, which is why I think there should be Sean Bean and Alan Tudyk need to do a buddy cop film together called Two Weeks from Retirement.
0: On a, on, on somebody has, on a side note, posted up a picture of Rogue One, the Rogue One poster. Mm-hmm. And on all of the characters on the Rogue One poster, it was just Sean Bean's face. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and underneath it said, Guess who dies?
1: Guess who dies? That's funny.
0: Um, uh, I, Wash, and we'll talk about him in Serenity, uh, certainly. Wash is, um, Maybe my favorite character on the show. Yeah, um, I could absolutely see that. Um, he is uh, not just the fool. He is you You could give it to it's either going to be um, him or Kaylee is the heart of the show because mm-hmm. it, it's between the two of them. Gina Torres, on the other hand, is um, is today kind of a kind of a, a tropey character that we're all used to that. She you say, oh, she's just another one of these, you know. An older post battle, you know, tough chick. But, but she
1: was one of the first.
0: At the time, you didn't see this a lot. Yeah. You didn't see as much of this character. You had Buffy, the spunky girl with powers, that was starting to happen. But this, you know, she is the most capable warrior on the ship. She is I, I mean,
1: it in some senses her character is a little bit more utilitarian, but that is she is the soldier. She's indisputably the, um, like, if Jane is the fly by the seat of his pants sort of mercenary who gets stuff done through muscle and you know brute strength, um, she is the tactician, the strategist. Um, I mean she is the she is the soldier who achieves her goals through training and planning as well as sheer athletic ability. Yeah, and uh, she
0: is and, and she's tactical in everything that she does she's tactical she knows there is no situation on the show up to and including uh spoilers for serenity if you haven't seen it i'll just say up to and including the big major event that happens in serenity even that mm-hmm. it's only like 15 minutes after that moment where she even has the sense that she is even breaking a little bit she is yeah. able to handle anything mm-hmm. um which is a, a great counterpoint to kind of everyone else on the show who everyone else is a ball of emotion on this show. but she yeah. she is I mean she's the mom of yeah. the and, show.
1: and you get to say, and it's not because she's rep- she's never repressing her emotions. She's no. just really good at handling it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, I think if you watch Agents of Shield, uh, I think that uh, Melinda may, is absolutely, yes, absolutely. This very character, similar. Very this similar. Character, like, and and you know, no no secret that Joss Whedon created created both of them. Yeah. So, um, we move on to uh to Morena Baccarin uh this who's become a she's in fucking everything now. Mm-hmm. Um uh uh as um Inara. Her biggest uh, name her,
1: her her most recent big name thing was uh she was Vanessa in Deadpool. Deadpool uh, which was at the, great because it was a very different character than Inara. Very at different. At the
0: same time she's on she's on uh on Gotham. She was the the face of the TV show V for a while. She's in Homeland. She is kind of omnipresent. Um mm-hmm. uh but this is where she started. She was very young when this show started. Uh playing a uh an interesting take on a prostitute, um, mm-hmm. being that she is absolutely a prostitute, but yeah, she is a, more think, than that. because like, she is a companion. Well, it, it actually
1: goes back to because the. Uh, I mean, I'm, it's not like I'm an expert on this, but the sure uh, the history not. of the history of the world's oldest profession is uh, it essentially it had two branches to it. One of them is straight up prostitution, which is. What I offer is sex, period. Um, the other branch of it is the branch of the courtesan in which it was the, oh, no, one of the services I offer is sex. Let's be clear about that. But uh, – and the courtesans you would see a lot in um, – you know, a lot in the in noble courts in the Renaissance and in times like that, uh, it ga- was so geishas
0: bu- as well. In the geishas as well, in yeah,
1: geishas geishas as well. The whole purpose of you know, these were people who were trained in the arts, in music, in conversation, uh, offering companionship, and essentially, it was because I think a lot of it was at the time um, women were seen as completely inferior, uh, and so therefore were not given schooling, were not given all these things, but. Strangely enough, men found that they wanted companions that they could talk to. You know, they wanted people that they could have actual, interesting pillow talk with, um, and that's where it, and that was the service that the courtesan provided. Um, and so for me, and for me, I to me I draw a big distinction between prostitute and courtesan. Um, although the argument the could show be, well and, could and, be and, largely and the show semantic. does too. Uh, the, but the, the big the, distinction being, a prostitute offers sex. A courtesan, a courtesan offers that plus a lot more. Well, the, um, and
0: and when we get to the episode, I I, I think that we're honestly on the show, guys. If you're looking forward to an episode by episode review of this show, I well, think that it, a actually, lot of what I'm, we would I'm, talk I'm, about I'm, in that, I think that we would we've hit. I
1: I, I, I honestly think that we were doing. Let's wrap this one up talking because we've really outlined the characters. Um, I feel like we've got at least another hour left in this, uh, like with another episode of just going through, we can do the episode by episode thing. And that's the one that we can also include Serenity.
0: Yeah. Oh, no, I think I I think we're, we're going to have to do two because I Serenity being one of my favorite films of all time.
1: It's oh, okay.
0: going to get its own mm-hmm. for me. Yeah, so, well, no, guys, I want
1: get... to be able to do an episode by episode of this.
0: OK, then we're going to have to do three episodes. We're not done with this one yet, so we're not leaving. Not yet, done with this still... one yet. That's all right. We're we, still going we, we, strong still... here. Um regarding uh, regarding the care look, we're deciding on the fly with you, for you guys. Yeah, uh, for you. Um, I guess yeah, is a big enough deal. It deserves three episodes of a podcast. I guess we're gonna do mm-hmm, yeah. Um regarding uh the difference between her and 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 prostitutes, there are prostitutes on the show. Um uh and the and the Mm -hmm. quote unquote whorehouse that they go to um uh is and you know i i call it that because you know old west type b stuff Mm -hmm. so i'm not being i'm not being no that that
1: that is actual the definition that is the Um, yeah
0: um is is run by a former uh a former companion Companion. who says i couldn't do that this is what i did um and and she on the ship is the celebrity. She's the one who opens the doors. She is, she mm-hmm. is the most, quote-unquote, important the person stati- on the ship.
1: It's fascinating in that society. The status that is given to the companion in that society is fantastic. Even to the point when there's, like, the one noble lord uh, who gets pissed at her and says, you're never going to – he says, well, you know, you'll never have a client again. And she says, actually, it doesn't work like that. You've gotten – you've just been blacklisted in the companion's book you're never like that sense of the companions guild is this incredibly powerful social force that looks after their own. Um, You get the
0: sense that they have their own planet.
1: Yes. That,
0: that that the movie indicates they have their own planet. She has her own ship. Yeah. Like her, her, she, she like owns a ship on, on the, on Firefly. Mm -hmm. It is, um, it is wonderful. Uh, yeah. What they what they do with her? Um, I find her. I she's the character, of course, that I I have the most problem with in wanting to show this amazing space show to my you know preteen uh, mm. child. Um, yeah. In that there's a lot of explanation that's got to happen to to get yeah, her across. Now this is
1: this is yeah because of that this makes this more of like a maybe late middle school high school show. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, but but in terms of again a unique character, never seen a character like this in mm-hmm. television. Yeah. You know, and and you say that more than once on this one little show that runs 13 episodes. Good yeah. lord, what if this show had run seven seasons? Mm-hmm. Like this would have been another Mash. I, yeah. Uh, easily. Would have been another Buffy. Um. Mm-hmm. Then we get to um, the uh, – Malcolm Reynolds played by yeah. Nathan Fillion.
1: So he, is, he is definitively the driving protagonist of the show with good reason. This is not a case of How I Met Your Mother where you've got this great uh, – and I love How I Met Your Mother. Uh, and it's not that Ted Mosby is necessarily a bad character It's just that compared to the rest of the supporting cast, he's just not as interesting. That is not the case with Mal Reynolds. He is, uh, as the captain, he holds just as much interest, if not more, than the majority of the supporting cast. Uh, And and that's a very difficult thing to do.
0: If you think that Nathan Fillion was good in Castle, and I'm sure he was, he is a tour de force. Oh, I mean,
1: it's the role he was born for. Um, Um
0: He is uh, he's funny when he needs to be goofy, when he needs to be um, uh, ridiculously silly, when he needs to be harsh, Mm -hmm. when he needs to be. He does action. He does drama um, that I just want to start with the actor to not impugn any of the other performances. But this is a performance that would be very easy on first viewing to not catch everything that he's doing and think ah, he's pretty good on repeat viewings. What we had just he talked is doing about so much, so much. With this
1: we had just talked about uh, how you know normally with most actors, you know, you're going to see a real improvement from the first episode to the last episode. Um, with Nathan Fillion, he kind of breaks that rule, which happens every now and then with an actor. Is from episode one, he is Malcolm Reynolds, and I think that's just because every now and then, as an actor, you just get. And I've experienced this a couple times too, even just with with plays, where it's you just have a role that it just fits you so well, you step in, and on day one of rehearsal, it's like boom, done. Uh, and those are those are joys to watch. Um, and I think he really does. Uh, actually, the it's funny the reason that I got into Castle, uh, which is a fun show as a cop show goes, it's great because uh, Nathan Fillion is just as charming, but. Uh, Somebody told me that in, I think, the Halloween episode in either the first or second season, uh, the show starts with Nathan Fillion in his bedroom, dressed straight up as Malcolm Reynolds, uh, you know, doing some gun tricks and pointing the gun at the mirror. And then his daughter walks in and she's like, are you, is that your Halloween costume? And he's like, what, I... I like it. She's like, "What? What are you even supposed to be? Are you a, what a space cowboy or something?" And then he's like, "I like this costume." And she's like, "Besides, didn't you wear that like two years ago?" And then he's just like, I, "No, I really like this costume." And that's the cold open. Time for to let show. it go,
0: Dad. Time to yeah, let it go.
1: Time to let. Yeah, that's right. Time <laughs> to let it go. Um, and as soon as I heard that, I was like, "Well, I need to watch that episode alone." And then I watched that episode, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this is fun. I'll watch that." So, uh, um.
0: He's as interesting, more interesting than Buffy, more interesting than Angel. Whedon's, dare we say, is it safe to say Whedon's strongest protagonist? That absolutely, he's
1: I think that I, I would say that with one hundred percent certainty.
0: From the opening, from his like, he starts off as as a as a sergeant fighting the Alliance, who is. Absolutely sure of his cause, a deeply spiritual man who believes in Jesus, Mm -hmm. um, who who has faith that everything's going to work out as it should, who has his faith ripped out from under him where all he seems to care about is himself when in fact he actually feels a fatherly responsibility to accrue. He is in a, let's say, incredibly strained relationship with God. Um, mm-hmm. He is not an atheist in that he doesn't care. He is, he is angry with yeah, God. Yeah, it's more
1: that's like, oh, I believe in God and I'm really pissed at him.
0: Um, he is uh, uh, all at once willing to be, um, you know, w- he's willing to do anything to protect his crew up to and including stone cold murder. He mm-hmm. is uh, all at once. Uh, you know, he's just so complicated. He's, he, he loves Inara and is horrible to her. Always, he's is mm-hmm. disrespectful and and unlikable a lot of the time. Um, he is not a good man. He is a complicated man who will, when the chips are all the way down, do the right thing. He is, I mean, hot damn, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, phenomenally written character, and that's a good point. The thing is, like, the yeah, that's I'd forgotten. He is incredibly demeaning to Anara. Uh, in many ways. And to but, Wash. And, and sometimes to, wa- yeah. to
0: Kaylee. Mm-hmm. And I mean, just... Like, he's not always a very good guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, but I think it's one of those things. that's where you see the... with Because you see all sides of him, you get the sense that those times when he's demeaning, that is actually him trying to build a relation... Like, it's... He doesn't have that skill set. Uh, he doesn't have... The sociable, respectable skill set of um, frequently of you know talking to women like their people sometimes, uh, or, res-
0: or respecting their agency, or yeah, their or space. respecting his,
1: yeah. But you can see that he's, but it's almost just like you can see that deep down his desire towards being good to them is real. It's just it gets completely lost in his uh, in his inability to to express it uh which yeah, is he different is, he's than, flawed
0: he's flawed yeah he's in very a flawed. huge way uh, what space but, captain have you seen as like han solo people compare him to han solo and i understand the comparison but han solo is not flawed yeah he's not a flawed character he is a rogue mm-hmm. he does seemingly questionable things but will always be good in the end but he's never ever Ever unlikable
1: to the audience. Mal just yeah. pisses you off sometimes. Although, interestingly enough, you know, one of the moments that they talk about with Han Solo nowadays is uh, in Empire when he essentially forces a kiss on Leia. Uh, and, and that's an interesting thing just because we talk about, you know, 25 years ago, 30 years ago, it was this big romantic moment. And even though that's still a, you know, that's still a romantic relationship, nowadays we look at that same scene and there's that sense of uh, uh Mal would never actually do that. Um, even though like his, so there's a there's a there's a big difference between him and Han Solo. I think. Yeah, I mean that would actually, gosh, you could get so much leverage out of that. Um, out of what? Or out of just talking about the difference between those two? Sorry, now I'm suddenly well, just thinking that the people who do epic rap battle really need to do one between Malcolm Reynolds and Han Solo.
0: Yeah, they're 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 vastly different. But I think that I think Han Solo is a better archetype. I think that Mal ultimately is up to and through the movie Serenity. He makes questionable choices. Yeah. All the time. Mm-hmm. Um he is not always right. He is not always good. He's kinda he's very good at what he does, but he's kinda muddling through, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um Uh I can't I mean I can't say enough about about Nathan Fillion as as Malcolm Reynolds. It's I mean my you know You know, I, 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 at the time, I I don't know so much now, but at the time, my wife absolutely would have cheated on me with him. There's no question. (laughs) Um, And
1: number one, uh, number one on the celebrity five, huh?
0: I would, I would have, I would have forgiven her (laughs) because I get it. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I adore this character. Um, Yeah in such a huge way and i think that even if the other characters weren't as strong as they were watching the exploit the fact that we never got to see the exploration of this guy Mm -hmm. um the fact that we never got to see him get really broken the fact that we never got to see him wrestle with with his faith the fact that we never got to see him truly fall in love and lose the fact that we you know like what this guy would have been in season five when when mm-hmm. the Serenity had been blown up and you know two of the people on the show had died and he was at his rock bottom fighting his way back to to you know what I mean mm-hmm. like like the fact that we never got to see where he went is
1: yeah. is tragedy and, that's and the and tragedy kinda, of this and, show and more what's than kinda, anything else. What's, now that you mention it, what's interesting is that like with Buffy or even with Angel. It's like, okay, they're flaws. They've got challenges and everything like that. And they're going to have an arc. And you wonder, where are they going to go? But at the back of your mind, you're kind of optimistic about where they're going to end up. Like, you get this sense. It's like, yeah, they're going to have... You know, if they don't get killed, they're going to learn from life. And they're going to end up in a good place. With Mal... Buffy more I, than Angel.
0: Angel more than, was, yeah, was questionable. Uh, the, but,
1: his, but with yeah. Mal, I honestly... Don't know if I could say that. Like there is no – because he's got so much broken about him uh, The that, you know, if you say, okay, what is Mal like five, six years from now? Uh, even after the movie, there's a sense of, you know, he's got – you know, he's got a family. You know, he's got his, – his crew is his family now. He's got his ship. But all of that is sort of – you get this sense that he is clinging with a tenuous hold – to anything good, but that that hold is tenuous at best.
0: Well, I think um, the question of the show, the underlying question of the show would have probably been, like, what is Mal going to learn? Yeah. Like, "What is what about the world? Because Mal doesn't understand the world in so many big ways. Mm-hmm. What is he going to learn? How is he going to change? Yeah, wh- the evolution... The evolution of that guy would have been so great to see.
1: Because it's not even the case Ugh. of, like, the... It's not even the case of the guy who is, like... It's not even the, you know, the soldier who lost the war and now hates the the invading army. Because uh, someone... I remember Joss Whedon was actually in an interview or something, and they, you know... They said, you know, people think that Mal hates the Alliance. And he's like, he doesn't anymore. He just wants to be left alone. And I love that distinction, but somebody who just wants to be left alone is somebody who is kind of just wandering without a purpose. Um, I mean, and serenity in many ways is about him finding his purpose. Uh, or least, could you imagine the end of season
0: three? End of season three. You you had a you had a red wedding type of situation where let's say let's say you know Kaylee and Shepherd Book were killed. Mm -hmm. you know clearly by the alliance and and serenity was blown up and that's the end of 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 season three and -hmm. you go into season four and the arc of season four the big bad of season four is going to be that that mal is leading a one-man crusade to Mm -hmm. try and destroy the alliance a crusade which of course fails Mm -hmm. and that's what he learns the end of season four which leads you into season five where where he has to learn all over again, that he needs to live in this. How to just live with it, yeah. He needs to live in this world, and how does he rebuild with his crew that doesn't try I mean, there's mm-hmm. this could have so many places it could have gone. I'm, <laughs> I'm so angry, I'm so
1: furious right now. Why
0: did I'm a brown coat now? <laughs> Shit! I started this whole show going, don't be that, yeah. and I became that. No, by doing no, because here's the,
1: like that's the thing that like it is. They, these are all legitimate feelings, um, to have it's, uh, but you know, sometimes with stories, that's just how it goes. Um, you know, and for all we know, maybe, you know, for all we know, maybe there would have been a big writer's shift in season three and suddenly everything would have tanked. Um, you sure. know, for all we yeah, know, this, that's could, this could have gone, this could have gone the direction of West Wing. The first four seasons of West Wing are possibly some of the best television on TV. And then it takes a serious nosedive once Sorkin yeah, and- leaves the show.
0: The thing is, though, about Whedon shows, they just tend to get better. They have, if you see, I mean, I know that you're not a fan of Buffy season six, and there we have things about Angel season four. But in general, you know, the the improvement is always, you know, that boy. I just heard a uh, there's a line from um from f- from Firefly from the episodes uh, episode Heart of Gold. Uh, I am not so scared of losing a thing that I'm not willing to try and get it.
1: Hmm. Um, that's a good point. And that
0: w- that was about having a baby in a terrible world. But that's a that's a you know that is exactly the way I feel about this. I mean, I mean, for those of you not watching Agents of Shield right now, um, can I just put it out there that Agents of Shield is maybe the best show on TV? <laughs> All
1: right, I gotta I gotta get caught up. I think I've only um, like, finished and, season two,
0: and it's clunky in season one. Season two, it start you start going. Oh, that's where they're going. I mean, I. Now in season four of Agents of Shield, I can come out and tell you. Last night, I cheered. I bit my nails. I was horrified. I wept. I was, and and ultimately, there's one more episode to watch. I almost stayed up an hour later than I really should uh, <laughs> to watch another one. Um, it is uh, as good. It was Buffy. It was Buffy season five level of good. All right. Um, so, uh, uh, oh my gosh we have so much more to talk about. We're going to talk about next episode. Now that we've gone mm-hmm. through the characters, you know, there are so many characters we're going to meet while we're talking about these characters are characters. We haven't even talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we have not talked about uh, Saffron. We have not talked about Jubal early. We have not talked about the men with badger. the gloves. Yeah. Um, we've not talked about badger. We have, you know, we've, you know, we've not talked about my favorite line in maybe all of TV. And okay, all well, of you TV. All
1: right, you've piqued my curiosity. Which one's that one? Shall I say
0: it now? Let me ask you a question, Arthur. Are you Alliance?
1: It, am, am, I? I, oh, that's, yeah. am I a lion? I don't know. I do have a mighty roar.
0: No, I said Alliance. Oh, because oh. I.
1: Oh, well. I, that, that's weird. That's weird. That's, <laughs> that's just. <laughs> that's, that is, again, talk about trope subversion right there. Just. Are you Alliance? Am I a lion? <laughs> Am I a lion? <laughs> That's good. When on television do characters mishear each other? I know. It's it's one of those things you start <sighs> watching. Funny. If you start watching TV with your eye to certain things, for instance, like characters never mishear each other. They also never say goodbye when they hang up the phone. That's true. They're just like, okay. People are rude assholes to each other on the phone on and TV. TV. <laughs> You know, it's, it's
0: just, it, and especially with this kind of thing with this, where we'll get to it when the character's playing, the character being played uh, is such an arch bad guy and, and, and Simon's <laughs> there on the ground. He's so, he's so, are you Alliance?
1: <laughs> Am I a
0: lion? You could consider me a lion for I do have a mighty roar, what, which is the, kind of, kind of a thing to say, like, like, who yeah. the, what the fuck? This guy's, well, yeah. uh, um, no, I, 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 I said Alliance. It's just the awkwardness between them right there. So like, 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 oh, shit. Like, what? Oh, no.
1: Yeah. Like I said, oh, no. the show, e- even in its dark moments, the show is a delight.
0: Just like Serenity. Do you want to run this ship? Yes. Well, you can't.
1: Yeah. Okay, so I have, all right, I'll finish this one with a, all right, I am really showing my geek background here. Uh, so there's this LARP that I was playing in live action role playing. Uh, And the concept for it was it was this world where you could, where all of the characters from literature or TV or something all sort of met and interacted. So the concept being that any player could just say, hey, I want to play this character from this mythos or something. And you could. Uh, So I was playing as Angel uh, and started the weekend as Angelus, Angelus. so it was with the idea that being halfway through the weekend, they would figure out that I was Angelus and have to turn me back. So that for the second half of the weekend, I'd be angel again, which was fun to do. And there were a whole bunch of other players who were playing the entire crew of serenity and, uh, angel or Angelus immediately decided to target Kaylee and river because, you know, that's his type. Uh, and uh, it
0: also does the most damage.
1: <laughs> it, it also does. The, it also does the most damage. Um, so the two moments that just they were both so wonderfully weeden that stuck out about it was. So there was this one thing where Angelus like basically took a crossbow and tried to take a sniper shot at River who, you know, as she was at dinner. And of course, River just suddenly, you know, suddenly just without even thinking whirls around and catches the bolt. To which Angelus is like, "Why do I always have to pick on the superpowered chicks?" Uh, (laughs) And then the next day, after they've converted him back to Angel, uh, the whole Serenity crew was going was at dinner, and so I went up to apologize to River and to say, "So I'm uh, wasn't exactly myself. I'm sorry about trying to shoot you with the crossbow bolt." And River is like, "Oh no, no, that's cool. I've I've been there, man. I've been there." Uh, I was like, (laughs) "Oh." Okay, so we cool? And then Mal is like, wait, no, 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 we are not cool right now. Like, you just took a, you just took a shot at one of my crew. That's not the sort of thing that uh, I forgive easy. And uh, I said, well, if, if it'll make you feel better, you can shoot me. And Mal says, well, that's not exactly going to make you feel worse. So no, it won't make me feel better. And then there's this awkward silence. And then Jane from one o- uh, corner of the table is just like, it would make me feel better.
0: I wish to God I could have been there. It I was.
1: It was like one of the most. Like even as soon as the moment stopped, like as players, we just stopped and we we're like, "Can we agree that is one of the best crossover moments that could have happened with Whedon?" Sorry, I'm tuning oh my, my own arm with this. It was just such a yeah. great moment. It was awesome. I
0: would give. I'd give my right eye. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so next week, um, next week, uh, we get to go episode by episode through Firefly. Mm-hmm. Through Firefly. Then it's that or then it's Serenity. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, do we do, I think then we got to do, um, one episode on, uh, on cabin in the woods, uh, because it's a it's a movie that kind of deserves its own episode. That's true. That's true. Never okay. never going to get another chance to do it. There's and, like three
1: people. There's three people who just started listening to us because they heard about the Totally Super podcast. And they're like, when are we going to get the, the people with the capes?
0: Well, but, it's funny you should say that because I think that after uh, after Cabin in the Woods, we're going to do a, a sort of a last goodbye to Pop Off uh, as the show uh, wraps mm-hmm. up and comes to an end. Its end, and we start. Uh, we start with Whedon. Uh, this totally. Super podcast we're probably looking uh at this point we're probably looking around july um yeah uh, because there's so much to talk about and uh we know we're starting with dr horrible sing-along blog mm-hmm. and really look forward to talking about yeah, that because but for now why
1: not yeah why not start a podcast about superheroes by talking about a movie that deliberately tries to subvert every superhero trope in the business
0: why? Because that's just the way we roll.
1: Because that's how we roll, yeah. Are
0: you Alliance?
1: <laughs> <laughs> My name is Justin. And I'm Arthur.
0: Pop off.
1: This is Arthur popping off. <laughs> the
0: totally super podcast is coming to geeks radio justin and arthur review every superhero movie ever made search for totally super podcast on itunes or wherever you listen to podcasts totally super podcast 2017